Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week, here's what we want to do. We want to take the experiences and the stories, whether they're our own or someone that we love and respect, and we want to use them to inform and equip those who are coming behind us. By pushing play, we genuinely hope that you are better for it. Whether it's 15 minutes here, 20, 45 minutes, whatever it is, we hope that you know you are one step closer to knowing you're not alone in whatever you're walking through. Whether it's a burden you carry, a season you didn't expect, whatever it is, someone else has walked through that season. Someone else has carried that burden. And so my personal hope is that by listening to this, you know, hey, I can make it through this. I can take another step. I can figure this out because someone else did. And I have other people who want to walk beside me. Now, I have to be honest with you all. The past few weeks have gone away from me. And you know, I recorded this. this is the second time I've recorded this episode. Because can I tell you the first time I did it, it was almost from a place of defeat. And I don't feel defeat right now. I really don't. It has been a hard season. And we're going through some big life shifts that I hope to share soon. But honestly, the amount of growth that I'm being forced into has been a little overwhelming. Yes, I was forced because, you know, I like things to be nice and comfortable and predictable. I'm a woman of routine, you know, with just a flair for the occasional like blackout online shopping where things just show up at my door that I genuinely, I don't remember ordering them. But that's my version of living a little. My husband may question it, but you know, he who's who's he to say that I can't do that. But for months, I have talked about two things. And I've written about two things, whether you've listened or read things I want to go deeper, right? I have this pull to go deeper. And then this season of restlessness. And so many of you have connected with that. The conversations that I get to have, the conversations and stories that I hear are so encouraging because it means that I'm not alone in this. It's the very purpose of why we're here. So what I'm learning, though, is that these two things are connected. And I had to figure that out because this stirring, it won't let me settle into the routines and the comfort that I love so much. And I don't like it. I mean, I really don't care for it at all, right? Like, I just feel like this should be simpler by now. This should be easier. I mean, I'm in my 30s. This should not be as difficult to figure out as it has been. And I would rather focus on everyone and everything else. But not like in some martyr, look at me care more for others than myself way. No, when I started like really chipping away at the motives, I realized I liked the distraction of helping because it allowed me to avoid what was hurting. So if I could fill my minutes with busyness, whether it was scrolling mindlessly or watching reality TV or running errands, I wouldn't have to really look at anything. I wouldn't have to address the root of my restlessness. And here's the honest part about it all. And this stung a little when I realized it, even typing it out. But mindlessly filling my minutes, by doing that, I was trying to mute the Holy Spirit. I didn't like what I was learning, right? I didn't like what it would take to grow. So I tried to ignore it. And then I started getting behind on recordings and writing as all these meetings and phone calls and these long walks with some so deep, it makes you uncomfortable conversations built up as I really dug in to what is at the root of this restlessness. Last week to fill the gap I had created by getting behind, I thought, okay, I will write something about stress management which is actually a joke because how's the girl who says yes to it all going to tell you how to say no? How's the girl who consistently pushes like these wheelbarrows of stress around with her going to tell you how to stress less? I am never going to talk as if I have it all figured out when I in fact 
have very little of it figured out. And so I shifted. Because I think maybe someone else feels like I do. And I can't keep talking about sharing where you are to equip those who come behind you if I'm not willing to do it myself. I usually pride myself on quick decisions, right? Just fast ones, not necessarily good ones, but they're fast because I like progress a whole lot. So I'll make quick decisions to keep things, to keep life moving forward. You know, I was trying to think, okay, when have I made a quick decision? It just really bit me. Several years ago, I was helping seat people at my church. I love doing that. People come in, they don't know what to do. I love connecting with them, making them feel comfortable um, immediately. So I had just walked a couple to the front of the room. The lights were kind of down. The band was going into another song. And I turned around to walk back to the doors when I noticed someone standing on the end of the row had their hand out, you know, just saying hi, about to high five me. So I, of course, want to reciprocate the gesture. And as my hand had covered about 80% of the distance to the actual high five, I realized they are not saying hi to me right now. No, no. This woman, she was worshiping. Her hand was up in worship. Now, the alarm bells went off in my brain, but I had already committed to this action. Like, I was already there. I couldn't, I could not stop my hand. I physically could not pull my hand back. I don't know why. And I fully, aggressively greeted this woman who was actually not looking for a good morning high five at all. So I did what every normal person does. And I just like ran the rest of the way to the doors so I could duck out before she opened her eyes and find the rogue worship fiver in the room. But I'm telling you, my life is a series of quick decisions that occasionally end up in me ducking for cover. But what do you do when it's not just a small, inconsequential decision? What if it's big, right? What if there's a lot riding on this decision? What if it feels like there's a whole future riding in these series of decisions? Big decisions have just been hanging over my head for months. I think the better analogy would be they've been hanging around my neck, just forcing me to double over from the weight, putting my gaze right on my feet as I try to decide what the next step is. My prayers were full of frustration. God, I am good with obedience. That's fine. That's great. I would love to be obedient. But obedient in what direction, right? I mean, just tell me something. I want to be obedient, but I have no idea in what direction. And as the months passed, I realized my heart wasn't really settled around any of the options. I'd stare stare really hard at the choices, and none of them made sense. I mean, I could poke holes in every scenario. Nothing seemed like a good choice, or they all seemed like good choices. My perspective depended on the day. So instead, I started praying, God, help me understand what I don't understand. Because I'd been missing the point. What good is it to know what's next if my heart would still be in turmoil? What's the point in getting a clear answer if I don't release the control of an outcome? There's a difference in knowing and understanding. Like I know when I flip a switch that the light will come on, but I don't understand how electricity works. I know when I squeeze a certain part of Hagen's leg that his laugh is going to fill the room but I don't understand how that triggers his reaction. I know when I sit down in a chair that it will hold me, but I don't understand how the chair was built. I didn't need a game plan. I didn't need to know the future. I didn't need to know how each step would play out. None of that mattered if my heart would still be restless. I needed understanding. That's what the disciples were looking for in the last chapters of John. So Jesus begins peeling back the layers of what's going to happen to him. 
and the disciples are trying to understand. Chapters 14 and 16 of John are full of their questions. See, the disciples knew that Jesus was the Savior, but they didn't understand what that would mean for him or for them. They want to know where he's going, why he's going, when he's coming back. Can they go with him? But my favorite part, the part I've been holding on to for months, is in John 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In my New Living Translation version, there is an asterisk by Advocate. And so I looked down at the footnotes when I saw that. And can I tell you what it says? Other words for advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor. So Jesus is saying, I will not only advocate to my father on your behalf, standing between you and what you deserve, but I will comfort you, encourage you, counsel you. The one that I'm leaving behind for you that will dwell within your spirit, within your heart every day, will comfort you, encourage you, and counsel you. It's like he's saying, you're trying to understand all that is happening as you work to make sense of an outcome, a circumstance, or a decision. But I need you to know, I will give you understanding, not answers, but understanding. Because do you know what understanding brings? Peace. He says it in verse 27 of John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, our understanding will waver. Mine does, right? I'll have this peace and then a phone call, a text message, an email, a quick scroll on socials, and I'll falter because I've confused peace in him with peace in a circumstance. I convince myself if I know the decision to make, the direction to go, I will have peace. Peace in my health, peace in my family, friends, relationships, peace in my work, in my grades or career path. That is not peace. Maybe contentment, which is so sweet, but that's not peace. And I think that's why he says, peace I leave you and my peace I give you. What he gives, the world can't take. Remember, he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. So when he gives you peace, the world can't take it away. And so I find myself continually still praying, God, help me understand what I don't understand. And can I tell you, I'm able to point to specific moments of understanding. When the Holy Spirit, my advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor, has brought clarity. The Holy Spirit that I spent so long muting because it was too much to look at. felt I was too scared of it. I thought it would be too heavy. I thought it would ask too much of me. I thought I wouldn't be able to do whatever it was that was so heavy on my heart. Instead, I met a comforter, an encourager, and a counselor. And most importantly, I found a settled heart. When I stopped trying to mute or box in the work the Holy Spirit was trying to do, but instead prayed less for answers and more for understanding right where I am, I was more in rhythm with his voice than with any of my doubts. When I was afraid what people would say, he reminded me he is my defender. When my grief got so big, he reminded me he doesn't leave me or abandon me. 
When fear took over my thoughts, he reminded me to take heart because he's already overcome what scared me most. And when my temper sparked and words I could not take back wanted out, he reminded me my words could bring life or death. So I kept praying, God, help me understand what I don't understand. Even as I sat in the floor of my bathroom, frustrated, angry, annoyed at myself for not knowing what to do. I mean, honestly, if you looked deep in my heart at that moment, I was most annoyed that people wanted me to know what to do. And I didn't know that the question would get asked all the time to where I started avoiding people because I just couldn't talk about it. I stared at the wall and I remembered where there used to be some wallpaper, you know, the old kind that you put up with water and some solvent that you smoothed over with a flat edge. And then you would inevitably try to strip it off. And if you were lucky, it came down with these long fluid strips real easily. So I started imagining what would it look like to strip off the layers burying this decision right now. So imagine a wall with me. Maybe you're in the middle of a decision right now. Maybe you're like me and people are keep, they keep looking at you thinking you should know and you don't know. And it's frustrating and it's annoying, right? Or maybe one day you will come up against a decision like this. And I hope that this practice helps you. So imagine a wall. It's layered in a wallpaper of your choice. And each strip of paper represents a barrier to your decision. So for me, I picked at the top corner of people's expectations and I slowly peeled it off. I moved to the next section and I pulled back the goals that I had designed based on the world's standards. Next, I tugged down the strip covered in my fears of what it would mean to make this decision. What would the future look like? And the last one I pulled down was that of people's opinions, which was the hardest one for me to get down. And what was I left with? When I visually removed these layers and all I could look at was Jesus. And I sat across from him and I said, God, help me understand what I don't understand. I got to step into this deep-rooted understanding of what Jesus alone was asking of me. Not, not what everyone thought I should do or wanted for me and the best of intentions. No one was thinking ill will for me. Like everyone, their suggestion was what they believed was best for me. But when I stripped all of it down and it was just Jesus sitting there, nothing else around him, just him alone, I could see what he was asking of me. See, understanding, it isn't in knowing the answers. I don't have a clear answer of what's going to happen next. I don't. But I know what I need to do today. And that's enough. Understanding isn't in knowing the answers. Understanding is in knowing the advocate, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor. Because when I stripped back all of those layers and all there was was Jesus, the decision didn't feel as scary, didn't feel as big anymore. Because I wasn't concerned anymore with what the answer was. All I knew was Jesus. Understanding isn't in circumstance. Understanding is in surrender. And I want to have something bigger to say. 
Honestly, something that you want to make a real fancy Instagram post about. Because after all of this turmoil and anger and frustration, it feels like I at least should have something like Morgan Harper would want to make a watercolor out of. But all I know in my 30s, as I'm getting older and I want to complicate things more, there's only a call to make them simple, to see that it's Jesus and then everything else. All I know is understanding is less about an answer and more about a posture. Instead of shaking my fist and demanding answers, I've started opening my hands and letting go. And I didn't know the restlessness that I've experienced for years, for years. I didn't know what a settled heart actually feels like. And I can honestly tell you I'm okay. And here's what I believe for you. You will be too. I don't know what's on the other side of the decision you have to make. I can't know, and you can't know. But I know Jesus. And I know we want to make it more than that. We want to add the and. We want to do more. We want to grab it more. Because it feels a little like you're stuck if you're not trying. But this isn't trying. This is resting. This is knowing. This is understanding. Jesus, will you help us understand what we don't understand? Amen.